Hey there, and welcome back again to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hey, guys. Welcome back. It's Yes, a Stripper Podcast, your favorite podcast. Thanks so much for continuously tuning in. I feel like we're really on a roll here. Uh, I've been feeling really special vibes with this podcast lately. Um, I feel like we've been really getting some really, really important information out there regarding the stripper strike movement, regarding industry reform. Um, and you know, just talking about how amazing strippers are. It's just my favorite thing to do is talk to these people. And, um, you know, something that really is special to me are strippers that once hated strippers before they knew anything about strippers. Um, because I feel like they're some of our most powerful allies and advocates for, um, shifting perception of the, you know, society that we had been uh, forced to acclimate to without our own permission. Um, And then when you finally wake up and you realize that you have been plugged into some bullshit that you never agreed to, um, you can be the some of the most powerful voices um because you can speak to those people and you can relate to those people and you can say things like i've been there before i know how you feel and then you can also relate to them how it feels when you fucking wake up because it can be traumatizing you're like oh my god i've been lied to i've been tricked this whole time and you feel like my sister is going through that with her education system feeling like these schools have lied to her and tricked her the whole time because they have, you know, they have. And, um, and so finding people that like wake up to that, they're my most favorite allies and messengers because they have so much to teach you. So we have someone just like that here on this episode today. Um, today we're talking to Phoenix and she is a person who hated strippers turned stripper. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you for having me. You're Very so excited welcome. to be here. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I just loved your story. And I just, I would love for you to tell everyone where you're calling from, where, where it is that you reside and, and that story that you, that you emailed me about right. your transformation. We would love to hear right. Um, well, my name is Phoenix Rose. I am from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I started pole dancing in 2013. Um, and at that time I was like newly sober. I've been sober for eight years. I was like searching for a new activity to fill the void, if you will. And, Um, I went to actually, I went to see Cirque du Soleil and I was a former gymnast, a rhythmic gymnast. So I saw all these people in the air and doing these amazing things. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to be in the air. And I took some circus classes and then I took some pole classes, was immediately obsessed and completely addicted. Um, but I had this like block, this thing against exotic dance where I thought like, well, 
I am a real artist. I don't wear the heels. Like I'm like a circus, whatever I fucking thought about myself. And I kind of said, it. it's not that I had hate in my heart. I just kind of right. said it without thinking about it. Right. And that I think is where most people or a lot of people are in terms of their like core phobia. They don't even know that that's how they think. And they, it's like, so anyways, the more I got into pole, the more classes I took, I started to realize like, yeah, tricks are fine. But if I want to learn the art form, if I want to learn to pole dance, I'm going to learn it in the exotic dance classes because that's where the style that's readily practiced by most pole dancers originated. Um, and at that time, you know, exotic dance was very much still taboo in the pole world. We had like one exotic dance class, one level you know, and, um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like how it is now where there's like many different styles. Anyway. So I took this class and immediately was just fell in love with the style. And I started to kind of examine why I'd had these biases. I'm like, well, why do I think that wearing heels is somehow bad or gross or like that I'm better if I don't. And I'm, and I started to uncover my own internalized misogyny and also all the shame that I had about my own body just from you know having been an alcoholic for my whole life and just constantly being in these situations where I had no control over my body and at all and kind of realizing I never really consented to any sexual experience that I had had Mm. and this art form taught me to have power over my body to love my body to express myself in a way that felt the most authentic and true to me And that um, eventually, you know, I eventually I started teaching. I started almost exclusively teaching exotic dance classes. And it really became the style that I was most interested in. And then eventually led me to being a stripper. And then eventually led me to making all this art about being a stripper. Because like you said, I understand um, where a lot of people are coming from with their whorephobia. Because I was there too. And it's not like a malicious thing. But we need to uncover what society is telling us about women and about sex workers and realize this complete and utter, utter bullshit because I've, I've been on both sides of that coin and I can kind of see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and exactly like you say, it's not, I don't get mad at people who are struggling with whorephobia anymore because mm-hmm. I recognize that like I've been saying, we were thrust into the system without our permission and we were conditioned mm-hmm. and it's up to you as a free thinker or as someone who can listen to others perspectives to, to question the system. Yes. Um, yeah. Because like who made this system? Whose idea was that? It's not my idea. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say that most of the kind of like negativity or whatever that I've received from people in my life for being a stripper was usually from other women and again, I'm not mad at those, like, I'm not angry at those people because I was there too. And I just never thought about it. Like, I, why would I think about it? Why would I try and unpack this if I didn't have to? Like, life is complicated enough. So like with the art that I made about it, a big part of that was trying to educate or just enlighten people to these stories from these dancers and kind of get people to like examine their own biases. Right, right. So let's talk about your art a little bit. Can you explain some of your um, exhibits and what, Mm -hmm. 
like the message behind specific ones are like what what do you right. want people to interpret well i will say like as an artist um most of my work comes from or is prompted by questions i have based off a lot of times traumas i've experienced or like issues that i'm kind of grappling with in my own life and i'm pro like i use my art to kind of process that so it's really interesting like i i I kind of started stripping full time ish in the fall of 2016. And it was around this time, like every, it was like a perfect storm. It was around this time that I was gifted this, this really small toy camera that made it so I could like shoot in these, um, you know, pri you know, spaces like strip club um, change rooms without people really knowing what I was doing. I mean, I'm, I didn't, I didn't film anyone without their consent. I only right. filmed myself um, around the same time. Um, I was um, asked to do make a piece for my friend Zine that was kind of dealing with a lot of these issues. Um, and yeah, so my first kind of film that I made around this, this kind of stuff was called Object. And it was again, like a, a piece that I shot in this backstage while I was working, um, just myself being filmed. And what I was trying to do with that work was explore this idea of objectification and what um, kind of was happening to my own relationship to my body by doing the job of being a stripper because I like I started stripping when I was 33 I start like which you know it's older than most I um, yeah. and it was a very unconventional route that I took to being a stripper so I kind of and I, I can tell you more about that later if you want but I Um, I went in, I know what rectification is, I know what I'm signing up for. Um, and I assumed that I wouldn't get hurt. And then I, I could feel my relationship to my body start to change, not because of the job of being a stripper, not because of the performative aspect of it and the dancing and everything you do on stage is more about people in charge, criticizing my body, feeling like it didn't matter how much, how good I was at my job, if I didn't fit whatever aesthetic that the club owner thought then there was something wrong with me i started to notice i was like obsessing more about surgeries and changing myself and nitpicking and all this stuff so that was my first kind of work that i made and then um so that's that to me is a big issue too because i think that there's some problems with the way that the industry is structured that we are actually are not valued for how good we are at our job you know what i mean i don't feel like yeah. if you have if you look a certain way that that makes you sexier than another person that looks different or that makes you better at having a connection with the audience or any of that stuff but it seems to be what is valued which i don't agree with and then the kind of longer work that was much more in depth um was called that's why i like it and i, I it's a three it actually originated as um, a video installation three channel video installation where I interviewed um, nine dancers and I filmed just their butts in slow motion. And so the film is you hear this edited interview with all these dancers and you see just their butts. And originally I had shot their faces. I had shot other things and the butt was just, it works the best. You know, <laughs> it really, cause I was like, okay, so got, you know, men for decades have been putting women in their, in their music videos and like corporations can use our image to do whatever the fuck they want. But the second 
that we use our own body to promote our own business or to make money or whatever, or just express ourselves. We're silenced. We're called sluts. There's something wrong with us, all this stuff. So I felt it was an extremely loaded image. Um, and I also, I slowed it down. So it becomes this kind of hypnotic thing. And I, my goal was to kind of, you know, let the words like wash over you and, and yeah. And actually some of your uh, former guests of yours was actually on that, in that film. Megan Rippey was on. Um, Megan Rippey. She was in it. She was off. So yeah. Um, yep. She was in that. And who else from LA was in it? Uh, Victoria Lebrun. Do you know her? Maybe not. There's a few LA dancers because I had traveled down to LA and and shot with some, with some dancers and like interesting story about that film. Cause I've had um, varying experiences screening this work. Usually when I showed in Canada, people are like very respectful and I get no negativity. Sure. When I've shown it in America, it's like, I've had some, uh, very uncomfortable screenings, like really, um, that have always kind of, like, for instance, I screened it in LA, um, and it was the right venue for it at all. It was like with the, just a, all the other films were total, like just very, um, they just weren't experimental films and they were kind of just trying to be like industry, whatever mainstream stuff. And at the time the film was like way longer than it is now too. <laughs> <laughs> and I went with my sister who we've never spoken about the fact that I was a stripper and I just warned her I was like just you know this is coming <laughs> and I could feel as the film was going on I could feel people getting uncomfortable I could hear people like moving in their seats and like whispering to each other there and then there was a guy behind me and he kept like whispering and making jokes to his friends and they were like and giggling and all this stuff and I ignored it and then at the end of the screening he just goes oh my God, thank God that's over. And I just like turned around and looked at him and I was like, that's my film, you hurt my feelings. And then he (laughs) shut up, but I was like, wow, okay. And then after the screening, um, there was a lot of discussion and actually that guy asked me a question and he, and as well, like afterwards, I ended up having a really good conversation with my older sister and she was like, yeah, I did. I felt really uncomfortable and then, but it kept, going on and I started to examine why I felt uncomfortable and why I was judging these women and I was like okay that that was my complete goal with this work is just to get people to just think for a second about why they have these beliefs and are they actually grounded in reality because my experience as a stripper stripper tells me that they're not yeah Yeah. anyways long story (laughs) no it's a beautiful uh, it's a great story and it's like I think that that was the perfect venue for that. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we make people uncomfortable and it, it confuses the shit out of me because I'm like, I should be, you should be the most comfortable around me. I'm never going to judge you. I'm always going to accept mm-hmm. you and love you and help mm-hmm. you because that's what sex workers do. And so that you're, that you're afraid or you're uncomfortable around me. It's like, the complete opposite, but I think that it's good because it, when you're uncomfortable, you grow. So if they're not mm. uncomfortable, they're not growing. So I think that you mm-hmm. made an entire room uncomfortable is a huge success. <laughs> Thanks. I, it's just it's just interesting because the reaction in America has been so extreme. Either hate it or love it. Whereas in Canada, we're all just like, yes, oh, good job. <laughs> just culture shock, I guess. America uh, yeah. is so fucked. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with you. (laughs) 
yeah, <laughs> yeah. this whole like the whole uh I, i'm not gonna go down a rabbit hole i almost went down a rabbit hole stop me now stop, stop. Me. okay <laughs> i need a whole other podcast for how i feel about america okay and yeah. patriotism anyway um <laughs> uh i want to ask you some questions because i did listen um to your work um and uh well first of all okay so you answered how long you've been stripping and the projects mm-hmm. and your goals and this- well and to be fair like and i do want to acknowledge that again like my experience in stripping is completely not the typical one so yeah i was able to get a job at the club where i worked because a lot of my friends worked there and um and before i got that job I had like I had done a few shows uh where I had stripped. Like I had worked as a stripper in these special shows that were completely not the normal experience of working in a club. Right. Um so I had some experience but I also had no experience. So it was kind of like an extremely privileged way to come into um the industry that is not at all the norm. Um and it's kind of why I haven't since they fired me we can talk about that too, but, um, I haven't tried to go back into the industry because I guess I'm just spoiled, but it it doesn't work for my, um, lifestyle to be traveling and to be, you know, I just, and also I'm like, I don't know, I'm almost 37. I'm tired. Like, I don't want to, I just want my cushy, fancy stripping job. I can do like two days a week and, (laughs) But I, you know, I can't make that happen. So I miss it every day. Like every day I'm like, oh, why can't I be a stripper? Um, I do too. It's like, I know you feel this too. I'm just like, wow. I was, because honestly, there's moments on stage where I was just like, I have never felt more myself than I have in this moment. Like, I feel like my whole life has been leading to this moment where I just get to be like free and on stage and expressing myself and people throwing money at me. And Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice, nice memory. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I do want to know why you got fired. Why'd you get fired? What'd you do? Uh, <laughs> fucking nothing. I'm sure. Um, I, I was told that I was fired because I don't have fake breasts and that they wanted strippers who looked like strippers with blonde hair and fake boobs. And I'm thinking, and also almost the entire lineup looked exactly like how I looked with like natural breasts and like long dark hair. Like it was, yeah. um, but that being said, like, I don't like, that's just what I was told. So I don't even know if that's true per se. Um, what I do know and what I've learned, this was a huge lesson for me in terms of like my own boundaries and looking out for myself instead of you know, trying to please others. Like the first couple months I worked there was like amazing. I loved it. And then for whatever reason, I was started having my shifts cut back. So I wasn't working as much. And then I was told, oh, you still work here, but you're going to be on call. So you're going to work the same amount of days, but you won't know until the day of, or maybe the night before. And for me and my lifestyle, like I said, I do a lot of different things. So I really need to know when shit's going down because this is not just like working in a coffee shop it's like if i'm gonna work i need to know so i can get ready and do my hair and like make sure i can warm up my body make sure i haven't scheduled a physio appointment that day like it's a big deal so if i'm on on call like i can't do that 
And I also was kind of existing in this like constant high state of stress because I was like wanting to please them, but not knowing how. And every time I tried to please them, it just kind of backfired. <sighs> My show was getting worse because I was stressed out. Yeah. I was like, I honestly, like friends of mine after were like, dude, you were strung out. And being an addict, like, honestly, if I felt like I was a heroin addict, it felt worse than being a drug addict in some, in some ways, just because I was so conscious of it. And I was completely powerless. I would have done anything to get on that stage for 20 minutes of sex. Like that's, I would have done anything. And I, I didn't give a shit that I was literally destroying my body. Like, I was so skinny. I was like not eating enough. My face was turning gray. I was like, you know, it was bad. And eventually like in the same week I ended up, it was actually funny too. Cause I kind of started to realize that this was happening and then kind of made a mental switch and was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just, I'm in, I'm doing this because I love performing. I love expressing myself. I don't want to lose that joy. I'm just going to fucking be myself. So I just started being myself at the club. Like I was joking around with the clients and I don't know of me being just showing my personality. They didn't like, or I don't know what, What? I don't know what, but they fired me via text message. I was told it was because I didn't have fake breasts, whatever. That's what management told you. That. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Um, and then also in that same week, I injured myself really badly. Yeah. Um, my neck and my shoulder to the point where I had to stop even like pole dancing for fun for almost two years. (sighs) And it was in that time. I, and I, I like, I had basically had a nervous breakdown. I got shingles. I like, I just like, I fell apart. Mm. And it was interesting I realized I'm like, this is, I had become so detached from my true self. Mm -hmm. It had become completely about pleasing other people, just performing at all costs, like giving too much of myself all the time. And then my identity Mm -hmm. was wrapped up in being a stripper and being a pole dancer. And I had worked my ass off to get there, you know, and to have that taken away overnight. I felt like, okay, I'm no longer a person. I don't know who I am. Devastating. It was. But guess what? It led me to make these films. It led me to make the sculptures I'm making, you know? Like a phoenix who rose from the ash. Exactly. You got it. Phoenix (laughs) Rose. That that was like, when I came up with that name, I was, I mean, it's not even like that original of a name, but I was like, that defines my experience. Like, my whole life, it's felt like that, you know? Oh boy. I, I recall a time as a baby stripper where I also thought I should get my boobs done. And I would like to tell everybody, if you don't know, I have a natural 34 double D on my right. All right. Yes. And I was like, "Eh, maybe I should get my boobs done. (laughs) It's so funny. I was saying this, I was talking to my boyfriend about this today too. Cause I've, I've like, you know, I still kind of wrestle with this and like you see, and a lot of it is social media and you see like beautiful girls on the internet and you're like, wow, like that's such a cool aesthetic. Like maybe I want that too. And I go to doctors, I've seen like multiple surgeons talk to them about it. And then I put in the fake like thing that I put in. And I think I, I don't like how I look. Like I, I'm like, I actually don't even like this look for me. But yet I'm like still obsessing about it. It's just very, it's a complicated issue. It's complicated. 
Well, I think, um, and it goes back yeah. to like the conditioning that I was talking about mm-hmm. and the things that we see in magazines and the grocery store. And like something that really fucking irks me about the magazines and the grocery store is like these close up shots of like celebrities and their cellulite and like just really like pointing out like how much weight mm-hmm. they lost and how much weight they gained. And like that's all we see as children. We go into yeah. the grocery store and it's like, and it's normalized and everyone's walking around like it's normal to examine strangers bodies on in public to shame Mm -hmm. you into not having that body and Mm -hmm. don't you ever dare look like this because someday you might be splashed on the cover of a magazine for all to see and to make fun of and to draw circles and put arrows to your body Mm -hmm. and then we wonder why we yeah and then we wonder why we want to alter it and why when we look in the mirror i'm like i'm fat here and here and eh, i suck Mm -hmm. it's because Mm -hmm. what fucking tv and media and the news and the billboards and fucking signs like stop telling Mm -hmm. me what i should Mm -hmm. be exactly yes i get really worked up (laughs) no i feel you i really (sighs) yeah it's and i will say like i mean there is kind of like a darker uh, like a darker side to even just being a pole dancer or being a stripper is that kind of body obsession so i just think it's there's nothing wrong with wanting to look beautiful but I think it's important just to just acknowledge that and just check yourself if you feel like you're going a little bit, if you're obsessing too much. Because, like, again, when I injured myself, got fired, I had to stop dancing. At first, like, I gained, like, six pounds and I was freaking out. Like, And I at the time, I was, like, underweight. So, like, I was still quite skinny. Mm-hmm. And um, I started to freak out. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get fat. Like, uh. And then eventually I was like, whoa, like, okay, I can't go to restaurants. I won't go on vacation because I can't control what I eat. I'm like, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Literally fuck it. I'm just gonna buy one bigger size of pants and just eat some fucking food for a year and like, see how that goes. So I like gained like 15 to 20 pounds, like almost like as an experiment to myself to just learn to love myself. even if I was 20 pounds heavier or whatever, you know? And it was like, it was awesome. I felt great. (laughs) You basically like used yourself as your own art and learning exhibit, like your own body. That's so fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, since I've been back to like training pole and dancing and teaching and all that, like I, I've just noticed because like, yeah, okay, I'm super fit again, skinny and all that. But the obsession like comes back, you know, and like, I just notice when I see someone post about whatever, like how, if it affects me in a way where I'm like, oh my God, okay. Like I have to like book an appointment for some like really expensive procedure. And like, oh my God, like are are my knees getting saggy? Are my this or my that? And I'm just like, wow. Okay. Like this is taking up a lot of energy and time and I think I, it's, I think it's like anything. You have to maintain practice. This is like dieting mm-hmm. is the lifestyle. For me, my diet is the lifestyle. I don't I don't go like oh, I'm gonna diet and lose weight. I I've like figured out my diet that keeps me at mm-hmm. the weight that I'm like I don't have to work that hard. Yes, you know if I have to work yes. extra hard. Oh, anyway. So, but yeah. in the same seas for like my personal mental state is like a lifestyle and a practice. Mm-hmm. And and when mm-hmm. I find myself going down that hole, I'm like, 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it gets easier over time in my early twenties. I mean, you know, I had the extensions with the pink, hot pink and purple streaks in it. And I went tanning and mm-hmm. I contemplated plastic surgery and like really long thick nails, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, like, and I'm not like, I, I, I'm, all that stuff is, okay. Is it's fine. cool. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's fine. I just, I just am speaking from my own experience and like, I just want people to just not take this stuff lightly or right. feel pressured because right. I started to feel pressured. And instead of like, just knee jerk, like, okay, I'm just going to do whatever I think is going to make this person happy. I still explored those ideas too. I still, I wasn't like, no, I, I will 100% never get my boobs on or never do anything. I was like, okay, I'm having this thought I've never had before. Let's kind of go down that road a little bit and just yeah. learn more information. And I'll talk to a doctor and, and, you know, and I expressed my concerns. Like I talked to my doctor, honestly, when I saw her, I was like, you know, I'm dealing with these feelings of like inadequacy and, you know, I'm working as a stripper and like, I feel there's a bit of pressure here and I'm just trying to figure out if this something that I want. And she was like, you know, it should definitely be something that's for yourself and not for anyone else because there is a chance if something goes horribly wrong, probably it won't. But if it's, if you're doing it for someone else, it's going to be a huge regret that you'll always have, you know, so just, you just have to be true to yourself and take the time to exactly. understand what that means, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree with you 100%. Like I, I loved having extensions and fake nails. Um, the tanning. Me was too. Really, yeah. And the tanning though, <laughs> the tanning, I felt very pressured. The tanning, I didn't, I liked having the tan, but I also knew that what I was doing was very bad for me, but mm-hmm. I was still taking the risk because I wanted to look good. I wanted to look good over taking the risk. Like that yeah. was more important to me than what potential yeah. health factors I was causing. Um, and yeah. then again, like I said, I was contemplating getting like my, my tits done and it's like, why in the hell? And be, and why I contemplated it is because I saw so much of it and I thought, oh, I, maybe that's how I should be. Um, mm-hmm. But, and now I look at my tits and I'm like, oh my God, thank God I didn't do anything <laughs> these because they're just like, so immaculate, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the only reason, like I said, was because there was pressure for me, but the Mm -hmm. fake hair, like I would do that. I would get extensions in a heartbeat. If I like had just money to burn, I would totally get extensions right now. Yeah. But, um, extensions. Yes. It's so fun to have long hair. I miss mine so much. I know. And that's the other thing too, that I think that is important for people to understand. Like we put extensions in our hair because like it makes us feel good and it feels Mm -hmm. nice, you know, and I like to get my nails done because it feels nice. And I can't stand it when people like when men, especially say, what, what do you do that to? What do you do that? Like dudes don't like that. Like real dudes Mm -hmm. don't like that, you know? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I like it, but I like it. Yeah, okay. exactly. 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 Yeah. Um, okay. I did have this, like, I want to close cause I want to talk about objectification. Um, okay. because you are an artist and you, you create art that is objectified. I mean, that is what mm-hmm. art is. It is, mm-hmm. it is objectified by the viewers. And I have mm-hmm. this argument that I don't know how many people would really agree with me. Um, but I just love to just take a step back and turn things around and look at it from all angles. Right. And so the word objectification for me, I am fine with being objectified. 
Mm -hmm. Um, because I recognize when I'm on stage that I am anonymous to whoever just walked in the room and doesn't know me. I am being artistic and creative. Um, I am technically made of carbon and am an object. I am an object, not to be treated like one, but I am one technically, technically. And just as you would in an art gallery, whisper to the friend next to you about how you feel about the art. You will do that with the person or performance on stage. Therefore, in that moment, I being objectified, I'm okay with that. However, when I come up to you to your face and you therefore then treat me as an object, that's where there's a dis- like that's where the line is distinguished mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Don't treat me like an object. You can objectify me on stage. That's your business because however you view my art is your interpretation. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's my thoughts. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think that I, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, people objectify other people all the time. Like if you go to like, if you call like a plumber to come fix your toilet, you're objectifying them in the the sense that you don't care about who they are as a person generally, like you're, you're getting their service and kind of, you know what I mean? So I think, and I, I, and this is the thing where it gets tricky because I, I felt like I fully understood what objectification meant. And I was willingly putting myself in a situation where I knew people were going to treat me like an object. And I didn't feel like that was a completely negative thing because I feel like you can objectify someone and also um, doesn't mean that you're going to treat them like shit or, or think that they're not a human and stuff like that. And that, but I think in order to make sure that you are not getting hurt by this kind of like tricky situation, you just really have to have a strong sense of self and boundaries and realize that you are more than what other people think about you. Mm. And I think Mm. that it became tricky for me because I hadn't yet progressed in my own life where I felt like, okay, this is what I'm worth. This is what my boundaries are. Um, so, so, cause it can be tricky because if you're, if you're being treated not, not only by customer, but by manage, like, you know, the internet by fucking culture as like literally the only thing you're good for is what you look like but like don't look like yourself look like this other thing like look like this other person maybe if you should change you know and it's like that has nothing to do with who I am as a person so if you believe that too much then that's where it can get tricky you know and that's what happened to me Mm. and I feel like maybe if I maybe if I enter the industry now I would feel differently but I just think people need to think about this and be a little bit more aware and I, I I think it's hot to be objectified too like you know we also need to acknowledge that yeah we grew up in this system that was like rewards us for being hot you know so like there's a thing there I'm like oh wow like this person's staring at me and thinks I'm hot like that turns me on and that totally makes me, like you know it gives me validation yeah but that can't be the only way you're getting validation it, ha- it, it has to remain this like fun extra thing you know Totally. And I I think you hit the nail on the head when it's really a lot of it has to do with like, you, you have to understand that you're being objectified and that it's not personal. And you really have Mm -hmm. to have like deep conversations with yourself to just let it all roll right off the back. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I feel like that's like the hardest part of the job really. And why strippers that I've met are so intelligent, so strong, like have thought about this stuff all the time. It's because we fucking have to. And most, or a lot of women maybe like, or normies or whatever, don't really have to think about this stuff, you know? And like, I always say that being a stripper just magnifies all the good things and all the bad things about being a woman in this like crazy little microcosm. Like, I just feel like in just a few months, like I didn't even strip for a year. I just feel like I went through like so many ups and downs and like, I went from being like baby stripper to jaded stripper to I hate men to I like, I hate myself to like, it's just like so much, so much growth, so much growth in a very short period of time. And not all of it felt awesome, but I feel like I understand fucking humanity so much better now. I just want other people to learn what I learned. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to have this platform to have your voice and other people's voice say all these things to so many people. Thank you. I'm so yeah. grateful that you're doing this. I, well, I was like so stoked when I saw you were doing a podcast because like I said, I've been a fan of yours for years and Thank you. everything you stand for. And Thank you. Yeah. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's stripper tips. My stripper tip is that you should just like always carry around a fucking like lacrosse ball or like a one of those like peanut things and roll your feet out. Like... Mm-hmm. And just like all your butt, I just, I, I feel like, um, yeah, like being a stripper, one of the main things I learned was just like self-care. You mm. have to take care of yourself. You have to treat your muscles properly. And if, especially if you're going to be wearing heels for any prolonged period of time, you have to take breaks and roll up the soles of your feet. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. Um, so yeah. Very good. Self-care. Self-care. Mm-hmm. Yes, balls. Lie on balls. Lie on balls. <laughs> yes. Fine yes. balls. Step one, fine balls. Step two, yeah. lie on balls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. Have you ever peed in public and gotten caught? <laughs> um... I mean, gotten caught, like I've peed him. Yeah. I mean, I just don't really care if people see me pee in public. So sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I used to pee you do it often, basically. <laughs> Pardon? What's that? I said, so you do it often, basically. Well, I used to, I used to at festivals with like pee into my cup, like under my dress when I was standing in crowds and then just dump it on the ground. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was gross. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you ever have you ever woke yourself up masturbating? Oh my god, like two days ago I did that. Oh my god, yeah. I'm so jealous. All the time. How are you so I smart can, when you sleep? I I also can come in my sleep, which is weird because like I can't come from like just like penetration. So I'm like, why but yet I can come in my sleep with no pen like anyways. Okay. So have, yeah. Have you ever blacked out on four loco made out with a fuck boy outside a bar while the nice guy who you actually wa- liked just walked by and saw you making out? I mean, sure. Like, so I, when I was a dumb 20 something, I'm sure when I was drunk, like probably a million times, this is why I'm sober. One of the many reasons. <laughs> Which would you rather do marry, fuck or kill? 
like any random person anything um um well I definitely don't want to kill so okay. <laughs> let's just say fuck I guess yeah I want to kill everyone <laughs> that's my stance yeah all right you win you win very good I I I would just fuck also by the way yeah yeah definitely don't want to kill and I definitely don't want to marry tell everyone how we can find out about you follow you find out about what's right up things like that so oh as of right now, the best place to see what I'm up to is on Instagram. So phoenix.rose.dancer. Um, that's kind of my dancer page. I also have an art page, Sydney underscore Southam underscore art. You can also check out my, that's my real, real name, Sydney yeah. Southam. Um, I have a website, sydneysouthamart.com. Um but there's, you know, and, and hope, you know, by the time this podcast will come out, um, you know, I'll post more information um, and clips and links of where you can see the films that we talked about. Yeah. Um, and some of the sculptures that I've made. Um, I've made lots of uh, beautiful pleaser ceramic sculptures. Yes, love that. Um, that we'll be offering uh, for sale soon. So, um, yeah, follow me on Instagram and just see what I'm up to and. Yeah, if anyone has questions or wants to reach out, I'm always open to talk to whoever about any of this stuff. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. And You're welcome. And to all of our listeners for always tuning in, and we will speak into your ears next week. Bye. Yay. Bye. Thanks so much, girl. That You're was welcome. great. Yeah. Thank you. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at yes, a stripper podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at yes, a stripper podcast. And you can catch the show on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere that you can find podcasts. We hope you tune in next week. I've been your host, A.M. Davies. See you soon. <laughs>